We talked last time about Jesus being the light of the world. And, you know, it's such a, it's such a pivotal, such an important uh, concept that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the only light of the world. He's the true light of the world. And, and I just love uh, some of the passages that are found in the scripture, you know, tells us that he turns our darkness into light. He brings light into our world, and, and, you know, I talked a little bit about light therapy. Do you, do you, any of you remember that? Uh, we need light therapy. I need light therapy. It's too dark. The world is too dark, and, and the, the light of the world, Jesus brings light into my life. He turns my darkness into light. I, I love that passage. He's the light of the world. He's the light of my world, and Jesus said if we follow him, we will never walk in the darkness. So we want to we know, like, what, how did we end up here when we might not be following him? We need to follow him, and he's, he's going to keep us out of the darkness. Sometimes, though, even if we fail, though, he says that, it says that he will bring us out into the light and, and uh, rescue us from the enemy as well. Today, I want to talk about something called The Art of Listening. Are you listening? I want to see if you're listening. This is a test for the emergency broadcast system. See if you're listening. Are you listening? Is it important, first of all, to be able to listen to somebody? How many of us can actually say, I'm such a good listener? Put your hands down, please. I don't even believe you. You didn't listen to me. I said, how many of you can say, I'm such a good listener? Like, you are like the bomb at listening. Because I think if you're a good listener, you'll realize that you really need to work at it. We need to work at it. You know, it's not something that just, you know, we do. They, they say that one of the reasons that it is so hard is because we think like three to four times faster than we can speak. So the other person is speaking, and we're like three to four times faster than, than they're speaking, and so we're like way off somewhere else already. Our mind, you know, we, we're, we're coming up with all different kinds of things. But, but, but you know, it, it's so important. It's so important to relationships, isn't it? I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But it's important, it's, it's important for our own safety. It's important to life that we be able to listen, that we be able to listen. You know, uh, a, a couple of things I, I found about this from uh, a website called The Art of Simple. I just like that name, The Art of Simple. But uh, this person uh, reminds us of a few things. God gave us two ears and one mouth. You, you all know that one already. But she says this, listening or active listening is, is a dying art. Today's culture lends itself to attention deficit. Is that true? I think it's true. She says distractions are as close as the palm of our hand. How many of you have a cell phone? Some of you didn't raise your hand because you're looking at yours right now. You don't even know what I said. You don't know what I'm talking about. The distractions are as close as, you know, the palm of her hand. When you're texting someone, she says, but you're with someone else, it's impossible to be fully present. You can't be. 
you're paying attention to something else. Some of you have your phones, you're going like this, I'm, I'm writing notes and that, but you're really writing emails and text messages, and you're not listening to a word that's being said. You can't. You know, I don't buy this thing about multitasking. You know, they say women do it better than men. No, they just hide it better. <laughs> if you're going to pay attention to something, if you're going to listen, you need to pay attention and listen, right? She says this, it's a scene I've, I've seen far too many times. A family with children or a pack of teens are out to dinner, silent, heads down, all with phones in hand. Have you seen that? Have you looked around and seen that? Restaurants? Are you doing it? Am I doing it? She says, poor listening isn't only tethered to cell misuse. It's not just that. It's, you know, it's so many other things that, that take our attention as well. She says it's a skill, though, that's worthy of, of developing. It, it's something we need to, to, to work at. And she says, without intention, it will not happen. For you and I to pay, I've got to listen. I, got, I need to listen. These are some steps. Let me just, I'll just read these off. I'm not going to talk about them. Number one, ask your family if you're a good listener. <laughs> and then listen to what they say. Are you, they're gonna, the first answer is going to be, are you kidding me? You're asking me that? Number two, look people in the eye when you're in conversation. That's tough to do, but you know, if you're trying to talk to me and I'm going like this, I'm looking around, you're going to go like, uh, he's not even listening. I'm, you know, I'm just going to tell him that my house burned down and, and he's not even going to go, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Number three, put your phone down whenever possible. Number four, hold your tongue. In other words, don't say anything. That's, that's probably one of the hardest, isn't it? Number five, be sensitive to what's being said. Be sensitive to what's being said. You're not going to be able to do that unless you're really listening to what the person is saying and how they're saying it even. And then the last one she says is be fully present. You've got to be there. You've got to be there. So th these are important things in, in a lot of areas of life, very, very important things. I said we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a, in a minute, but you say, what does that have to do with our passage today? I think it has a lot to do with our passage today because apparently the people that Jesus was talking to, they were not listening to him. He was saying things over and over and over again, and they were not listening to him. How do you know that? Jump down to chapter 8, verse 25. Chapter 8, verse 25, the, the last, uh, it says there, verse 25, Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. Who are you? They, you know, Jesus had been telling them over and over again who he was. And, he, and they said to him, like, who are you? And he says, you know, haven't you been listening? I've been telling you. I've been claiming, I've been explaining it to you over and over and over again. Sounds like a broken record. Sounds like some relationships that we're in. I've been trying to tell you, you're not listening. You're not listening. 
He says, he says, they say to him, well, who are you? And I think that in the Gospel of John, I don't know if, if you've been able to pick this up, but the biggest message in the Gospel of John is this message, who are you? And he's been talking about it from chapter 1. John the Apostle has been writing about it. Jesus has been talking to it over and over again, who he was, who he is. Who are you? Do you know who Jesus is? They obviously didn't. They obviously were not paying attention. But this is probably the most important fact in all of history. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He changes the world. He's the light of the world. We've talked about that. He changes the world. He's changed the world. Let's jump back to the beginning where we left off in verse 13. Going back to that verse, it says the Pharisees, and and these are some of the ones he was speaking to who were not listening, it says they challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. But Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. Has Jesus been saying where he came from and where he's going in the Gospel of John? Just in the last chapters, he says it over and over again. Where he came from and where he's going. Now, they challenge him kind of on a legal point, right? Because, you know, the, the testimony had to be you know, validated by two or three witnesses. So they said, you know, you can't, we can't listen to you and what you're saying because you're only one. But Jesus said, yeah, but, but first of all, he says it's, it matters who that one is. And if, if God the Son is standing in front of you speaking to you, it, you know, that should be enough, don't you think? If Jesus was standing here today speaking to you and he, and he would testify and you say, wait a minute, I need someone else to tell me too. That's what they were saying to him. We can't accept what you're saying because we need another witness and another witness. But if Jesus, the Son of God, is standing right there speaking to you and to me, that's why it seems ridiculous that they're challenging him. And that's what you and I do, though. We challenge Jesus. Like, how far is that going to get? Challenge Jesus. Where? We don't know who you are. But John 13, Jesus, it says that he knew exactly who he was. He knew that the Father had put all things under his power, it says, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He knew exactly where he came from. He knew exactly where he was going. So where did Jesus come from? Let me ask you that today. Where did Jesus come from? You don't sound too sure. Have you been listening? (laughs) I just said it. He came from the Father. He came from God. He came from heaven. He didn't come from Bethlehem. He didn't come from Nazareth. These two ideas that they were confused about. Isn't that where he came from? He was was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth, but he came from heaven. He came down from heaven. They had no idea. They weren't listening to him. He'd been speaking about it over and over. And over again, verse 15, though, says this, you judge by human standards. 
You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. They were looking at things in a very human way. By mere appearances, well, you know, according to your birth certificate, according to what we can see, but they weren't listening to what he was actually saying. In other words, they had preconceived ideas. Right? And, and that happens too when we're, when we're supposed to be listening to somebody and we're trying to hear what they're trying to say. But we already have, we've already judged the situation. We already know what we think about it. It doesn't matter what they say. We've already made up our mind. You know, what, how's that saying go? Uh, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind's made up. You know, that's how it is with Jesus so many times. That, you know, people, you know, they've already judged that he's just a man. That's what they were thinking here. He's just a man. And, and even if they did hear him say that, that he was equal to God, they got angry about it, and they wanted to kill him for it. Is that true? Yeah. We have to be careful when we're listening. And, we're, and I think, too, when we're listening to, to what God's Word is trying to say to you and to me, that we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have our, the answers already. We've already decided. He's God. We, let, let's let Him decide. Let's let Him tell us what it should be, how it should go. How should this play out? Instead of, I've already decided this is how it's going to go. Now, God, uh, I'm going to ask you about it, Jesus, but you know, you know, I'm going to really play it out this way anyways, but you know, I'll listen to you. I'll hear what you have to say, but I'm not really going to listen, and I'm not really going to do what you have to say because I have my own plan. We do that. I know I do. See, this isn't just for these Pharisees. This is for you and for me. Are we we really listening to what Jesus has to say in our lives each and every day because he's speaking to you and to me every day? He's speaking to each one of us. I've been doing a a, a study, and and I think it's okay if I tell you this. It's kind of between me and him. But I'll tell you and I'll let you in on the secret. This idea of being content. He's kind of, you know, dealing with with this idea of being content, of, of having contentment, no matter what you have, no matter what you don't have, no matter what kind of a deal you just made, what kind of a deal you missed, that you can still be content, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. He's speaking. He speaks to each one, each one of us. He wants to help us in our lives, and he wants to get to the heart of who we are. Verse 17, he says this, In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. So he's, he knows, you know, they're trying to challenge him about something that he obviously knows about because he gave us the word, right? He gave us the scripture. Because he is God, and it's God's word. He says, okay, it does say that there. By the testimony of two men, it's valid. He says, but verse 18, I am one who testifies myself for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So he did have the two witnesses, though. 
didn't he? He had him, his own witness, and he had the Father. But he says it again, and, and, and if, if, if they're listening, he's saying, he says it twice. He says, the Father who sent me. I've been sent here by the Father. I have a, I have a mission to accomplish. What was his mission? The cross, we know that. He was never far from his mission. He did fulfill the law, but they weren't really listening. He'd been telling them, the Father is, is saying this, I'm saying this. Verse 19, then they asked him, well, where is your father? What father are they talking about? You see, they're, they're, they're always kind of like on this human plane, right? Well, they're thinking about Joseph, right? Well, where's your father? My father who sent me. Okay, well, Joseph sent you. I like, they're, they're not getting it. He's been talking about these kinds of things over and over. And I, and I think about... I think about our lives, too. When, when God's trying to get through to us about a certain point, he has to, why does he have to speak to us over and over and over again? Why is that? Well, I think we know why. We're stubborn. We're proud. We, we don't want to do, you know, you're not the boss of me. You know, we have all, all our reasons, but, but, he, but he continues to speak to us. And Peter talks about it. He says, you know, it's okay for me to remind you of these things so that you don't forget. Where is your father? They had no idea. Look what he said. He said, you do not know me or my father. You don't know me or my father. If, if you're sitting here today and you go, I have no idea what he's talking about there. Well, maybe you and I, we don't know him yet. We don't know who Jesus is. We don't know the father yet, but we can and we need to. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. Now, what is he talking about there? He's talking to these people and he's trying to explain to them, if you knew me, you'd know my father also. Jesus said it a little bit later. He says that he and the father were what? They're one. There's the, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there's one God. We are one, he says. If you know me, you know the Father. He came to show us the Father. He came, if you've seen me, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Does that sound like human language to you? That's why he says, you know, you judge by mere human standards, mere human appearances, but, but there's something a whole lot deeper than this. Verse 20, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. In other words, he was speaking this out in the open. It wasn't something he was, you know, this secret little society or anything like that. He's out in the open. He says, listen, I'm here to, to, to declare to you who God the Father is. I want you to understand. I want you to know that he loves you. I want you to know that he, that he loved you so much that he, that he sent me to die on the cross, he, Jesus is saying. If you would only listen, if you'd only hear me. Verse 21, well, verse, the end of verse 20 says, Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. They couldn't stop him. I mean, the things he was saying was radical, and, but they couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Why? Because his time had not yet come. And it's a phrase that John uses frequently, and it refers to the cross, his time, his time was coming, it would come. 
We're in the last six months of his life now in this section in the Gospel of John. Verse 21, once more Jesus said to them, because he'd already said this, once more Jesus said to them, I am going away. And you will look for me and you will die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. Where I go, you cannot come. He, he said it. He had already said this before. I'm going away. You look for me. Where I'm going, you cannot come. He'd said that already. But here he adds something. He says, you'll die in your sin. You will die in your sin. See, he, that's what he came to deal with is our sin. That's, that's, that's the issue. What keeps us out of heaven is not, you know, the things that we have or haven't done. What keeps us out of heaven is sin. So how do we deal with that? What do we do? It's the cross. That's what, that's what we need to do is go to the cross. Verse 22, this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? They just wonder, like, where, where, where are these people? What, what are they thinking? Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? Will he kill himself? Is he suicidal? Like, what, you know, he's going to kill himself and die, and then we can't go. That's what it is. He's talking about so much more than that, isn't it? So much more than just the fact that he's not going to be here on this earth. He's going to go back to the Father. And we can't go unless we deal with this idea of sin, unless our sin is paid for. I quoted it about the Holy Spirit in, in John chapter 16. It says this, that the Holy Spirit, he would convict the world of three different things. He would, he would convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. And he says, he says this in, re, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. That's why. Because men do not believe in me. That's the sin. That is the number one sin that keeps us out of heaven. It's not adultery like the woman caught in adultery. It's not cheating on your taxes. It's not all the other things that, you know, that we can face and, and the temptation to, to commit. It's, it's not trusting in Jesus Christ as our Savior to save us from our sin. That's it. That's the number one thing. And the Holy Spirit, he said, would convict of that. The Holy Spirit would convict of that. Verse 23. We're doing a lot of verses today. Have you noticed? Last week, one verse. This week, 17. I just want you to know that. I can move fast if I want to. Sometimes I just don't want to. Verse 23, but he continued. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Wow. Can we just say that Jesus is just a prophet? Can we say he's just a good man? He's a, he's a good teacher. He's a great guy. You know, he was probably handsome. Maybe, maybe not. Can we just say that? After some of the things that he says, he doesn't leave us that option, you see. He says, I am from above. You are from below. I am not of this world. You are of this world. There's a whole difference. There's a huge contrast here between Jesus and the human race. He's the Son of God, you see. 
I think they should have said to him, you're not, around, you're not from around here, are you? It's what they should have said. If they were smart enough, they would have said that. You're not from around here, are you? Sometimes people are friendly to me. And I think that in my head. You're not from around here, are you? If they, like, smile at you walking down the street, you're not really from around here, are you? Say, he's picking on Rhode Island people now. <laughs> Don't forget, I am a Rhode Islander. You have to get me to smile at somebody. I'm walking around like now, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm with it now. You know, uh, I sold something the other day, you know, just stuff, just stuff, you know. And uh, so I went and gave, you know, met, I don't do it at my house, I meet in public places and I met this guy and my wife went along with me to protect me. And, uh, and uh, so, so we met the, you know, we gave the, did our little transaction or whatever and, and, I, and uh, I got home and there was a text message from him saying, him saying thank you very much, you know, I really, lo- I really like this. And I go like, are you kidding? The guy said, thank you? Like, he, and, and, and I said, so I answered him back, and I said, you know, wow, you know, thank you. You know, thanks for getting back to me. And he answered me again, like, have a good day and stay cool. I'm going like, this guy is not from around here. Like, <laughs> no. But Jesus was not, he's not from around here. He's not from where you and I are from. We've got to understand that. He's from above. He's from heaven. That's why we've got to listen to him. We've got to listen and carefully listen to what he's saying, which is not what these folks were doing. They were not listening carefully to what he had to say to them. Verse 24. He said, I told you, I've been telling you, that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. The, 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 the real way that this is said here is you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. They've kind of added some words there so that we understand what he's trying to say. That I am. We talked about that last week, that he is the great I am. But the only one that, who could say that he is the great I am is who? Is God. He said it back in do. In the book of Exodus, who shall I say sent me, Moses said. Tell them, God said, tell them, I am has sent me, has sent you. You will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am, that I am who? I am the Son of God, that I am the the Christ. Haven't you been listening Verse 25, who are you, he said. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I've been trying to tell you, if you would just listen, if you would just open your ears, open your heart, open your mind to what I'm trying to say to you. Haven't you been listening is the idea? I have this thing that it's like an acrostic, right? 
And, and we talk about this in, uh, with, with couples that are, are planning on getting married, and we talk about it with couples that are already married, and we talk about it because it's such an important thing. But the, Peter says this, he says to dwell, he says, Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Okay, got that part? Dwell with your wives according to knowledge, right? Okay, so if you're supposed to live with your wife according to knowledge, what knowledge is that? How smart you are? How, how much knowledge you have about, you know, your job? How much knowledge you have about, you know, what you learned in college or high school or kindergarten? What kind of knowledge is he talking about? Knowledge that you get by studying your spouse. Live with your wives according to knowledge. The NIV says live with your wives in an understanding way, that you understand her. Now, I'm doing a survey, right? How many of you wives, now this does go both ways, but that particular passage speaks directly to husbands. How many of you wives would say, you would like your husband to listen to you. <laughs> Guys, I think we just failed the survey. We just failed the survey. So... So this acrostic is the word plod, right? When I, when, I, when I first came up with this many, many years ago when we were at a, at a marriage conference with Calvary Chapel Boston, and I said the word plod. And you know what they thought I said? Because I wasn't from around there. I had no clue, right? They hear things differently up there in the, in the Boston area. But it's something, this idea of plodding, where we have to plod. It's, you know, the, the word plod means, you know, one step, another step, keep going, step. It's plodding. You keep at it, right? That's what the word plod means, right? So I think, I think we need to be plodders in this idea of listening. But the acrostic, as you can see it on the screen, pay attention. You got to pay attention. That's the first thing. You need to listen. I think you need to observe. What do you see? She might be saying one thing, but her body language is saying something completely different. Are you, did you catch that? You know, we're really good at school, studying at school, but not so good about studying our spouses. Like, what is going on here? P-L-O-D. Some of you drop off the D and you think it's the PLO. No. P L O D. Dwell with your wives in an understanding way. Dwell with your wives according to knowledge. I was talking with some of the guys and I'm thinking about doing a little refresher course for marriage just for people, just for couples who want to kind of do that. Is anybody interested in that? One or two. The rest of you going, <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> and the wives are going, 
like that. I think it's something we all have to learn, but keep, keep an eye out for that. This passage, though, is talking about listening to Jesus. Listening to Jesus. Look what verse 26 says. He says, I have much to say in judgment of you. But he who sent me, again, he's talking about being sent. He who sent me is reliable or true. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. He's been sent by the Father. He's heard from the Father, and he's giving that message to the world. So what he's saying, the things that he's saying, they're not just his idea. They're not just some human idea. They're, they're things that are coming down from God the Father, coming down from the Father who sent him. Do you think they would have got it? Verse 27, they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. They didn't understand. They didn't have a clue. I think for two reasons that I've already mentioned. One, I don't think they were listening very well. And two, they had their preconceived ideas. They had their minds made up. Verse 28, so Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. It's the same construction here again. Then you will know that I am, or I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing of my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me, and he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. He said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am the one that I claim to be. Now, this, this, this idea of being lifted up is, is really used in two different ways in the Bible. One is to exalt, to lift up, to exalt. I used to think it was just one or the other, but it's really both to lift up the name of Jesus. And we try to do that when we worship, to exalt the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to, to worship. Exalt the name of Jesus. Lift him up. But, but the other usage of this is to lift him up onto the cross. Crucifixion. It says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, you'll know that I am the one I claim to be. When, when sin would be judged, when... The sky grew dark on that day, when the earth shook on that day, when the graves were open, when the veil was torn, when Jesus himself rose from the dead. You'll know that he is the one. If you'll listen, if you'll look at all the facts, Jesus is the one. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, you see. The Father was there with him every step of the way except one. Can anybody tell me what that one step was when the Father and him had that moment of separation? Right on the cross when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When sin was paid for, when sin was judged at that moment in time. Verse 30, our last verse for today, he says this, John, the writer, says this. Even as he spoke. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. 
even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. That, that's really what it's all about, isn't it? That's really the bottom line. That's the, the, the goal of the whole gospel of John is that you and I would put our faith in him, that we would believe and trust in him. You say, how do you know that? Well, I'll put, I'll put it up on the screen for you. This is a, one of the last, uh, in the last section of, of the Gospel of John. It says, but these are written. The things that have been written in this book, why did he write them down? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Not just life, but life, abundant life. He, by believing, by trusting Him. Is that a one-time thing that happens? It's a lifetime of trusting in Jesus. I love God's Word, you know, and I, and I want to encourage you to get into God's Word. Open up the Bible for yourself. See what He has to say to you. Say, well, He's not speaking to me. Well, are you listening? Are you, do you open up your, your Bible? Do you have a Bible of your own? If not, take one. We'll get more. We'll print more. We don't print. They put their faith in him, and that's the goal. They said to Jesus, who are you? He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He's the light of the world. He's the gate. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Do you and I trust him? Do you really believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's the big question. That's, that's the number one question. But, you know, it, it's an ongoing thing. It's, it's, it's all part of our lives, trusting Him today for, for every asset, every aspect of life, the life that we have. Let's pray together, shall we? Dear Lord Jesus, we... <clears throat> We come before you, your word, your majestic word, your incredible word, Lord. We're, we're really in awe of the things that you've said. And, but yet, uh, I confess that so many times we're just like human people and we, we just read it and go, okay, whatever. Jesus, your word, your words are life, they're truth. and your truth uh, will set us free. Father, teach us how to listen. Help us to listen to you, number one. God, I know sometimes I just don't even listen. I'm too proud or I'm too stubborn or too distracted. I don't listen to you. And I, I pray you teach me, help me to listen to you. Help each one of us to listen to you, God. Also pray you'd help us to listen to one another. Our relationships, our, our marriages, our other relationships, our friendships, our, our fellowship even in this body, this part of the body of Christ. Lord, that we'd listen to each other, hear each other. Maybe, maybe we're hurting really bad and we're trying to tell someone, but they're, they just don't even listen. They just smile and walk away. trust you as we listen 
someone here this morning, Lord, has never trusted you, given their lives completely over to you because you are the Savior of the world. You're, you're God. You're from above. You're not from the earth. You're not of this world. You're from heaven. And you came to save us. And, and all we need to do is trust you, not do, but trust. Maybe that's you today. You can, you can call on him. You can simply say with me now, Jesus, I, I believe in you. I ask you to come into my heart, to my life today. Save me. Save me. Rescue me today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?